Welcome to episode 31 of the Breaking Balls podcast. Adam, it's the Robbie Gordon episode. It was a good run, but the Titans are officially dead and buried. Long live the king. Plus, I paid over $200 to watch a white man named Grady Dick 20-ball the Missouri Tigers in the border war. It was a fantastic weekend for me. Well, Bob, I'm glad you had a fantastic weekend because other than a pretty good NFL slate, I got my car stolen, so not great for me. We'll break it all down. everyone it is episode 31 <laughs> let me tell you what this is a roller coaster of a podcast i just drove about six hours fresh off of a missouri a hike uh, but you know what i care about this podcast too much to let it go one more break i'm sorry we missed thursday night but uh you know we got bigger fish to fry as you heard in that intro adam how are we doing over there buddy well you know bob it's a good thing that one of us could get in our car and drive because um in a shocking turn of events, here you know. Let me just run. Let me run everybody through it here. This morning, I uh, take my fiance to the airport. Park. I was driving her car. Park her car next to my car in the underground parking structure underneath the building where I live that has security and three gates, which will come into handy here in just a minute. So, I go. I go upstairs, and it's about. Six in the morning, early flight. She's going to Denver. Not necessarily great for me. Had to be up at four in the morning this morning. Tough get, but we did it anyway. Good, good fiance, I, by the way. Hey, that's the commitment I'm making as a fiance. So anyway, um, I wake up about eleven a.m. Go downstairs really quickly. Take the dog out, and uh, as I take the dog out, I I look over to see where my car usually is, and um, much to my chagrin. There was no vehicle there. Um, Anna's car was there. Uh, my car was just straight up gone. Um, walked around the parking structure, took a peek to like, okay, is like somebody just like screwing with me? Like what's happening here? Like, I, I don't know. But yeah, turns out, um, check, the fa- check the footage. A woman decided that uh, she needed my car a little bit more than I did and somehow got out of the parking structure. So I spent all morning dealing with the LAPD and I'm carless, Bob. Carjacked in California. It's a tale as old as time. You, uh, you usually play I Love L.A. by Randy Newman uh, when it's a, a Dodger game, but uh, it might be fitting in this moment, Adam. I'll be honest. Uh, I, I looked down somewhere in southern Illinois and read read a text message. It was a long paragraph, but I, I skimmed it and just read, Car Got Stolen. Really, all I needed to hear right there. I mean, you got that's hook, line, and sinker. That's a great lead. You can't bury that. But um, that's yeah. so L.A. It hurts, man. Good God. I, I, I and the best part is, is as I go. So then I had a debit card in the car, of course, because why wouldn't I? And of the one, so they go, and first thing they do is go to McDonald's. Bank says nothing. Then all of a sudden they go into a market and they make a purchase and then the, they go and they say, oh, it's fraud. Da, 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 da. And all I have to say is the embarrassment for myself when I had to deal with the fact that my <laughs> no. bank looked at a McDonald's charge and thought it was completely normal. But then they looked at the market and they said, ah, something's going on here. No. I think it says something about me and it is not a very positive thing to say the least. I have had a tough day, Bob. I am down so bad. Just so bad. Chase Bank, J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan did me so dirty this morning. Adam, I want you to know that for however rough of a morning it has been for you, the people that are listening to this podcast right now are with you in solidarity. And we're not laughing at you, but we're laughing with you because there's only one thing to deal with in this moment. And it's just to laugh. Oh, my God. The credit card is what sent me over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it's just nothing they to looked do. at the I McDonald's mean... charge and said it was a normal day for Adam O'Shea. <laughs> They were like, oh, cool, standard Sunday morning, just, need, just needed a McMuffin, he's fine, just went, decided to go out into the into South Central Los Angeles to get himself a McMuffin, that makes sense. 
Love a little neighborhood stroll with uh, my little dog Tucker up in South Central LA. Well, the old Fusion's oh. on the end of watch now. Yeah, well, that car is gone. G-O-N-E, gone. Adam, I guess while we're here, you don't have to give out the license plate because I don't want you to give out your personal information. But uh, if you'd like to give out a PSA to our listeners, if you're in the greater Los Angeles area about what to look for, that would be great. And <laughs> a little platform you can use here. I pray that we have listeners in the South Central Los Angeles area who could somehow track down my car for me. It is a white Ford Fusion hybrid because I care, by the way. I care about the environment, damn it. And it was cares stolen about that extra me. express lane. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's showbiz, baby. What can I say? Well, but, um, yeah, so uh, got a car stolen. You could check that off the bucket list, I guess. Hopefully... Uh, you know, it was kind of funny because I, I call, you know, obviously you call your call your family and stuff like that, and I called my dad. I was like, "Hey, hey dude, I, I, I was like, you're not gonna believe this." I was like, well, my, "My car got stolen, like it's gone," and he goes, "Oh my gosh!" He goes, "Now because you live in the carjacking capital of the, of the world," he goes, it, "It makes sense." He goes, "It happens to everybody once." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well, you got yours out of the way, gracious. I guess." Yeah, no, my dad got a Jeep stolen uh, back in the 80s, so I get, you know, just keeping the family tradition alive of getting the car stolen in LA. But, you know, Bob, let's let's switch the, let's switch gears here a little bit because you, you went back to college a little bit, a little bit of homecoming for Bob, walking back into lovely Columbia, Missouri. So why don't you why don't you fill me in a little bit? Give me the story of your weekend. No, oh, you know, just casual weekend. It's been a couple of years. So it was nice to be back on campus. Lovely Como, uh, you know. Uh, Broadway down there, the uh, the uh, second Broadway home of mine, uh, uh, was lit up in the Christmas lights downtown in Columbia. It was lovely. Um, I will say, Adam, kind of hurt my heart. Some of the bars on Friday night were closing around 12, 1 o'clock. That was not my Columbia. My Columbia closes at one thirty two o'clock. But, uh, you know, these kids can't hang these days, I guess. It's fine. I digress. But anyway, um, went up for the border war, if you're not familiar with it. Uh, a lot of hatred, a lot of rivalries with uh, Missouri and Kansas. Goes back to the Civil War where um, Missouri might have been on the Confederate side. I don't know. I don't look at the information here. But they burned down the city of Kansas, uh, Lawrence, Kansas because of politics. I re- regardless, this rivalry goes all the way back to the Civil War. Adam. There is hatred in that rivalry. And uh, I've been to some big games. But when I walked into the arena on Saturday afternoon, 9-0 and Mizzou, 8-1 and Kansas, the defending national champs. There was something in the air. There was hatred in the air. I've never felt anything quite like it. I've been to some big games, like I said, but this was just different. There was a lot of passion. Uh, You played Mr. Brightside. If you're familiar with uh, Missouri and Kansas or if you're familiar with my social media, you've seen it before. Um, There's a a remix of it, I guess you you could say, Adam. Is that right? A remix of Mr. Brightside? Yeah, uh, they ad-lib the lyrics a little bit. Maybe uh, an addition, per se. Um, I won't ruin it. I, this is a clean podcast here. We will not say it, but um, if it would, if we would have, it would be something along the lines of "fuck KU." I think I don't know. Um, I digress. Never heard there it. Were, yeah, I wouldn't know. There was a full student section an hour and a half before the game, and then an hour before the game, Kansas comes out and they play Mr. Brightside, and there are fifty and sixty-year-old men screaming that chant "FKU" with their middle fingers out. Just means more, Adam. There's nothing like a good hatred rivalry, is there? It just means a little bit more. Just two schools that absolutely hate the idea of one another strictly because of geographic location. It's something that you only get in college sports, and it's... It is one of the best. It was kind of fun to kind of live vicariously through the stories and stuff like that. And I feel like I'm doing that a lot, Bob, because uh, you've been doing some pretty cool stuff lately. So you got to keep it up. Your social calendar's big. You know, I'm I'm just trapped in studying for the bar. You're out there doing things. So, I'm, hey, man, well, good on you. You know, it, it, I got to live between us right now because I know once you pass the bar, you're going to be living it up out there and you'll be able to, to fly us all out for a, a big podcast out giving. So uh, I can't wait for that. But um, you'll be able to afford the bill for Kansas's basketball program as well, because let me tell you what I, I said in the, the intro here, Adam, there was a white man named Grady Dick. Um one of the first athletes to actually be signed by Adidas with an NIL contract that's legal, by the way. Uh, they used to do that under the table. Now you can do it for uh, you know legal reasons. That's a cold-ass white boy, I'm going to say it. Um, yeah, 
I'd heard that they had a, a really good white player, and we we saw this you know power forward up there. And I was like, oh, that's probably Grady. No, it was this dude, kind of you know slender build, skinny kind of kid, wore some pink shoes. You're like, oh, that dude really nothing. Comes out, drops 15 in the first 10 minutes. I mean, dude's the real deal. Wasn't a close game if you saw the scoreline, but regardless, it, it was nice to be back in the building and. Uh, it's always good to to have a little hatred in the heart. I, I think it's good for the soul, Adam. I don't know about you, but um, well, yeah, tough weekend though. Tough weekend for the boys. Yep, you know, Plan A definitely would have been to get a win, but you know, Plan B works out just fine every now and again, Bob. So, I guess that's all right. Um, full weekend of the NFL. Um, May as well. You want to start with Sunday night? I know we're we're going to talk about Thursday because obviously we owe that to the fans here. So we are going to have to talk about Thursday night. And the comeback, but why don't we talk about Sunday night first, Bob? Um, what'd you think? What'd you think of this game between the There's two immediate thoughts. Two immediate thoughts right away. One big win for the Chargers. Congrats to them. Uh, You know, they didn't choke a lead, held on, uh, you know, looked good. Justin Herbert all night, you know, diamond it out there. And my second thought is the Chargers almost choked it away, Adam. (laughs) They almost choked it away. Uh, I mean, one. They've almost they fumbled the third and goal right before their field goal to clinch it. And then, you know, the Dolphins go down and get the field goal to put it to one score game and they kick the onside and they gave it all but up to the Dolphins. I mean, the Chargers, even when they win, they have your heart racing. And I'm not even a fan, but man, that's like cocaine on a football field. Let me tell you what that is. That is the Chargers. Dude, it's one of those things that. You never really know. It's almost like watching a trapeze artist or something like that, like the circus act or somebody on a high wire, because you never know if it's going to be massively impressive or massively devastating because the Chargers really are 50-50 at this point. Um, Speaking of kind of devastating, Tua, man, he's kind of fallen off a cliff these past two weeks. Um, Really was an ugly, ugly, ugly night for him. Um I know confidence has been an issue for him in the past, and that kind of seems to be what's happening here too. Just seems to have almost completely lost all the confidence that he had early in this season. Um, Be interesting to see how the Dolphins will be able to turn it around. I know that they stayed in LA all week this week, so kind of a weird situation for them to be out on the West Coast and that type of thing away from home. So hopefully headed home tonight and then up to Buffalo for the, I believe they go on Thursday, right? I think that's right. And, uh, I'm sure Mike McDaniel is going to be sad to be leaving California for, you know, football and other reasons. But, you know, uh, for the Dolphins, you know, two started, I believe, three of 17, three of 14. One of those stat lines there, uh, you know, big thing for me, Jalen Waddle was non-existent for this game. And, you know, for two to be good, that short game with him and Tyreek Hill with Jalen Waddle, Gusecki, that short game has to really open up the deep ball. And. You haven't really seen that the last few weeks. Whatever the reason that Tua Waddle connection hasn't been there early on in the season when they were reeling off wins, they were hot with Tyreek. It was a two-headed monster. It hasn't been that way recently. Yeah, it kind of feels like the rest of the league may have caught up to it a little bit. Not necessarily sure what's being done with the coverage to kind of be able to slow down, but that crossing game that was so successful early in the year. So it'd be very interesting to see kind of how they tend to adjust moving forward. Um other than that, I mean, anything else? I, I was going to say anything else from this game, Bob, that you want to talk about? Anything that stood out? I, I mean, I, I hate to see our, our, our favorite boy, Mike McDaniel, go down. You know, it feels like that they're, you know, just close. But, uh, you know, the last few weeks, you, you, you definitely have to be concerned about that team's future. That being said, you know, that running game, they added Jeff Wilson. They've got Raheem Mostert, former Niners that have had success under McDaniel. That run game wasn't very good tonight, Adam. I think they barely got over to maybe 75, 80 yards. You know, in this league, you got to be able to run the ball. And McDaniels had success with that. But, you know, adding Jeff Wilson, we thought would be another big piece to the machine. They cut Chase Edmonds, and he hasn't really done anything after his first week. Yeah, I just think, you know, the Dolphins have so many weapons, and so much of what makes them dangerous is kind of the unpredictability. And when you take out the run game and you turn them into – uh, kind of a single fat or they kind of have one trick, a one trick pony per se, as the kids will call it. Um, they just become predictable and predictable is preventable. And I think defenses have just kind of caught up to them a little bit. So be interesting to see if they can kind of establish things moving forward and kind of right the ship a little bit, because, you know, they're still in a pretty good spot for the playoffs. I believe they have the six seed after tonight, 
But, you know, if things keep going in this direction, you definitely don't, you know, don't just, you can't, they can't afford to have things continue to go in this direction is what I meant to say. But anyway, I digress. So no, let's you, talk about you, you Thursday. Said- you said predictable is what's preventable, right? That was what you just yep. said, I believe. I, yep. I, I'm not a lawyer. You're you're training to be one, but um, you know, if we want to talk pre- predictable being preventable, Adam, let's just go all the way on the opposite side and look at Thursday night with you know the Raiders who are already bipolar, and then you get the Rams who throw Baker in there, basically doesn't know the playbook. I think did one walkthrough on Wednesday. And almighty God, how I don't know how he did it, but somehow the football gods found a way for Thursday night to do it. Adam, I love this sport. I love it. It's a great story. I'm, I'm going to be honest. For 58 minutes, we had another Thursday night football game that was so freaking bad that I, I, was, I was mad. I was actually angry watching it and that I was giving time to it. After I had taken a final that day, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm finally going to enjoy a little bit of football. This is going to be great. And I got an absolute shit sandwich for 58 minutes. But then Baker Mayfield came riding in on his horse, his his horse and carriage. He borrowed it from Oklahoma. And he came in and just drawing plays in the dirt at this point. I'm not necessarily sure how they did it. But just engineers that for, that drive 98 yards down the field. The ball, it just spinning the rock too. It wasn't like you know they were do, like they were easy throws. He was spinning it and long touchdown pass to cap it off. I mean, Baker Mayfield, man, it just goes to show you. Whenever you count the dude out, and whenever you think you know his back's against the wall, he finds a way to show you that he deserves to be in this spot. And all credit to him because everything was going against him in that time and in those circumstances for him. And he, in all. Oh, honestly, probably should have had a worse game. And for him to yeah. be able to go out and play like that, all credit to him, man. That's incredible. You know, and we sing the praises, but everyone inside the league, I think, is going to be even more impressed with that because they know how you know hard that is to do, especially at the quarterback position. It's one thing if you're running back or you know even a D lineman or something like that, where you can kind of have some packages or some schemes thrown in. Quarterback has to know everything. I mean, it runs through you, and for him to. You know, in that crunch time, be able to run that two-minute offense. I know that the Raiders ran single coverage. What the hell is McDaniel and them doing? I don't know. But regardless, Baker's still got to make those throws. And, you know, coming off of, you know, being a free agent, let's call it what it is. I mean, his career was basically looking like it was over. And he got into a perfect situation with the Rams. Stafford's going to be out the rest of the year. He's basically auditioning for the rest of the league under Sean McVay. Does it get any better for a situation leaving the Panthers in that shit show with that offense and not being able to score 17 points under Matt Rule and Steve Wilkes now? Going from that to L.A. and Sean McVay, the guru of offense in the NFL, I mean, does it get any better? It's like he's a number one overall pick again. It's like it's the second lease on life. 100%. And, you know, it's completely across the country. It's a new scenario. It's everything we've seen that Baker really likes to kind of put himself in the media and do endorsement deals, things like that. He's in such a good place in Los Angeles. And more credit to him because of all the offenses to pick up on short notice, it's Sean McVay's offense. And, you know, you saw it on Twitter, the play that got leaked that was basically uh, almost like someone's senior thesis to get out of college. I mean, it was long as hell. And just for him to be able to come in, figure things out like that, just like you said, just so impressive to everyone around the league. I just think it it got him a lot more respect than he had, especially before the game, to be honest. No, absolutely. He got respect, but, uh, you know, on this Sunday slate, Adam, who are we giving respect to? Who are we going to first on this slate? Where should we well, start? I think we need to do it because for nope. some reason. Nope. Nope. There was one team, Bob. I don't even think you know where I'm going necessarily, but. I'm it's scared. The I think I know where you're going. Okay. It's the Money Lions. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Nope. We're not going. Yep. Don't worry. It's the Money Lions. Because of all the games, of all the games I looked at this weekend, you look at you anybody who you know is a gambler or anything like that who looked at any sort of line this weekend saw this line and it was a head scratcher because how do you have the Lions have 
you know, favored in this game. And the Lions went out and proved why. Um, Special teams were better. Jared Goff absolutely slinging the rock around. Um, Really just a hell of a game from him. But, Bob, what did you think of this one? Adam, the money lines keep rolling. I mean, you coined that term a few weeks ago, and I was kind of like, okay, it's a one-game show. Did we? Did you just create something into the universe? Did you manifest Dan Campbell into I, being the coach of the year somehow? Yeah, I think maybe I, it was something to do with calling them the Money Lions, and then I did a single tear sacrifice. So I just had one tear fall down my cheek, and I put it on a picture of Dan Campbell, and they haven't lost since. It's incredible. Well, they haven't lost since, and they've been fun to watch. Uh, obviously, that offense, even in the loss with the Bills, they they hung with them. I mean, this Jared Goff, like you said – 27 to 39, 330, three touchdowns, no picks. This is not the Rams golf that we, you know, we kind of slandered years ago. I don't know what has happened in Detroit, but you've got Jamal Williams. That's a great story coming from within the division from Green Bay a few years ago. He stuck it out. Him and DeAndre Swift, that's a great one-two punch. And, you know, St. Brown, Chark, Reynolds. I mean, this receiving core, on paper, not that threatening, but they're getting the most out of them. And, you know, Adam, we, we look at the stats on the other side of the coin you you brought it up to me kind of when we were talking in pre pre-tape uh the vikings offense go ahead i'll let you handle this part yeah i i was just kind of shocked to look at it to be honest with you because kirk cousins didn't play bad and i think everybody and rightfully so because most of the time it is his fault but most of the time when the vikings lose it's immediately on kirk cousins everybody jumps down his throat kirk cousins this kirk cousins that but you look at the stat line today 31 for 41, 425 yards, two touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson, I know we talk about him all the time, but his stat line is so insane, we got to say it out loud. 11 receptions, 223 yards. 20 yards per catch was the average for him in this game, Bob. Just absolutely insane. They were able to move the ball in the air, but to speak of, you know, we talked in the last game about teams being one-dimensional. They had no running game today and absolutely no finish to their offense. I mean, they were moving the ball at will. They were moving up and down the field, but they just couldn't seem to finish drives. And, of course, you know, Dalvin Cook had the touchdown early in the game, but it just seemed to go downhill from there. They really weren't able to run the ball. And the Lions were good enough to where if they could, you know, that when they started to be able to key in on the pass, they they were able to kind of get stops when they needed to. Ben don't break defense a little bit, but – it's an interesting case because we can't really blame Kirk Cousins for this one, Bob. I I, I wouldn't feel good doing it at least. I, I'll say this, though. You mentioned the Vikings stat line. It kind of felt like the Vikings were playing a Madden game controlled by one of us, where you know you just kind of maybe run the ball the first drive to kind of think you're going to set the tone, and then you just start throwing it. And, you know, you have success with the yardage, but for whatever reason, you just – can't score every time you're like oh this the computer picked me off or oh i i overthrew him deep obviously justin jefferson had one touchdown called back that i think he scored on when he stepped out of bounds it could have been a 250 yard day with a touchdown but you know the football gods are generous not that generous unfortunately you can only do so much when you're neglecting the run game run the damn ball yep gotta run the rock it's just it's not something you you want to do it's something you absolutely need to do for the balance of your offense for the health of your future children run the damn ball but bob we're talking about impressive young wide receivers right now so we may as well transition to one who's back on the field jamar chase played today for the Bengals as they beat the browns 23 to 10 bob what did you think of this one did you catch it yeah caught it uh, you know higgins going out early uh, and then i believe I want to say they had another receiver go out. Was it? Um, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm blanking oh out on who went out, but they I... lost two receivers, I believe, today. Um, yeah. th- you know, it's been a long weekend for both of us here. Give us some credit here at Breaking Balls. We know people got hurt. We just don't know exactly who, and that's all you can ask their names. For. We can't get their names off the top of our head. We'll get there eventually. What do you promise. want from us here? What do you want? It wasn't Joe Burrow. I can tell you that well, if, you, if you're a listener that if didn't watch it. Look, if it's accuracy, I've got some terrible news for you. You're going to need to find a new if podcast. You, <laughs> yeah, uh, go watch ESPN. Go listen to Schefter. But I digress. You know, for the Bengals here, uh, divisional game, you got Deshaun Watson back. That adds an element of mystery. For them to win five in a row, they're on the right track. They're on the Ravens' heels there for the AFC North there. Uh, you know, for Cincy here, 
doesn't have to be pretty in the division. The AFC North is never going to be, you know, one of those where you're going to have to look like the Vikings and, you know, throw for four touchdowns, 500 yards. Just got to win. Just win. Just win, baby. And it was Tyler Boyd. That's the name we were searching so desperately Thank for. You. It was Tyler Boyd. And I remember, I don't, it was in the middle of the soliloquy there. I took a peek and I was like, oh man, I feel dumb. I was like, I know exactly who it was. But and yeah, he's he very good. It's finger. not like we should be forgetting nope. him. Nope, dislocated finger. One of those things that there was just so much going on today. I, I had my fucking car stolen. Are you really going to get mad at me for not remembering Tyler Boyd's name right now? I'm going to be honest with you at this point. It's a miracle. I'm, I'm sorry that we persona. forgot the third receiver from Cincinnati today. It's been a long weekend yeah. for Adam and I. I'm so We are sorry. We, you know, we'll apologize in advance for what's going on here tonight. But you know what? We decided to show up for the people anyway. But um, speaking of not showing up, though, Bob, Deshaun Watson. Um, obviously being out of football for two years, um, kind of tough to kind of get back in the swing of things. Um, but I can't say I'm unhappy to watch it. Um, that offense still looks stagnant, which it kind of warms my heart. So all good, all bad things happening to the Cleveland Browns are good things to me. So that's all I got there. You get to see him. You get to see him struggle, you know, just like Deshaun Watson, one bad turnover a week, uh, you know, just glad it's on the football field finally. But, uh, you know, I digress for the Bengals. They keep winning. The Browns look like they're, you know, just kind of building for next year and uh, have fun with Deshaun. We'll, we'll wave at you as we uh, as we go moving forward here, Ad. Yep, 100%. We'll stick in the AFC North here because the Ravens played the Steelers. Uh, Tyler Hundley stepping in for Lamar Jackson and – the Rolling Stones would have painted this game black because if both teams enjoy wearing black, 16 to 14. Bob, what did you make of this one? Well, you know, for anyone that said Mitch Trubisky is going to be a starter one day in the league again, you know, he just needed another shot after the Steelers, you know, after the sabbatical in Buffalo. I'm going to go ahead and show you this game tape because it wasn't a good day for uh, for old Mitch. Let me tell you what. Uh, the Steelers probably should have won this game. Uh, the Ravens keep winning these games that you know, are ugly or they really shouldn't have any business winning. But, hey, you know, in the NFL, you don't look at that week to week. You look at the record. But, again, on the Steelers side, you know, three picks from Mitch. And, you know, again, another team where they couldn't run the ball here. Ravens run game or run D really shut them down. And you're going to force Mitch Trubisky to beat you. Good luck. It was a recipe for yeah. disaster, and even Mike Tomlin can't coach you out of that ad. No, you're 100% right, and, uh, you know, we're starting a new game show here in the Breaking Balls podcast. We're going to call it, Is Kenny Pickett Concussed? Because there's a man who has just been unable to avoid getting hit in the head this year. Um, all Someone help that man. Yeah, I mean, let's protect him, for Christ's sakes. I mean, get well soon, Kenny Pickett, but my gosh, the fact that we've had to see this kind of turnover at the quarterback position there. They've got to start protecting him. But um, all credit to Tyler Huntley um, for stepping in and finding a way to win football game here. Um, you know, as far as Lamar Jackson's long-term health goes, um, luckily it wasn't as serious as they thought it was going to be. So should be interesting. I'm not sure if we'll see him next week, maybe the week after, but it'll be interesting to see going forward because he really is the straw that stirs the drink for that Ravens team. So it'll be very interesting to see what is headed on going up there. See, that didn't make any sense, Bob. Speaking of things that didn't make any sense, the Bills and the Jets. I thought the Jets had a good chance at winning this game for a while because the longer this remained scoreless, the longer I thought that the Bills were going to start getting frustrated, maybe get outside of themselves. But ultimately, the law of averages came to fruition here. And I think a good team beat a team that is a great, sorry, a great team beat a team that is good trying to be great bills versus jets bob what did you think exactly like you said like you said ad you took the words out of my mouth this is a team like the jets you know they're gonna be building towards what the bills are right now and the bills are who they are they're the top of the lead they're the cream of the crop as my friend randall savage says um, <laughs> you know they hung with them seven 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 it was zero zero i believe at halftime i mean it's just you know the Bills have too many playmakers, and Mike White. You know, we talked about Kenny Kenny uh, Pickett getting concussed out there. Mike White might die out there. Uh, it, that dude took some shots out there, and I'm not talking about at Shot Bar in Columbia, Missouri, which I saw a lot of. I'm talking about Mike White getting absolutely murdered on the field out there. 
I'm concerned for his life. I'm concerned about his health moving forward. I don't think he'll live past 80 after today. But uh, you know what? He's building toward the future for the Jets. And you know what? That's all you can ask for as a quarterback and a leader. That's a football guy. That is a football guy right there. Mike White just laid it all out on the line. Um, I don't know. It just, like I said, I, I just think we kind of we kind of touched on it. It, it was an interesting game to watch. Um, always good to see a white guy front flip um, from Dawson Knox getting in the end zone in the gross rain, sleet, snow combination that Buffalo produced for us. Weird weather game, but what are you going to do? Um, let's head south, Bob, because... The state of Texas had a showdown today, and oh boy! Let's just say they really? I was not—I was not the only person that got robbed today because Texans fans, it was close. <laughs> it was very close. Oh no! And I thought I had it for you. I really did. I had it in my heart for you. Because I kept saying, oh my gosh, if the Texans beat the Cowboys, this is going to be one of the best days on Twitter ever. Because you, all, the Cowboys, all of it, it would have been great. Everybody would have had an objective reason to make fun of the Cowboys. But they find a way to pull it out. Bob, what did you think of this game? You know, the Texans got that pick late. To, they were up, I think, three. And you, you thought, oh, they're, they're going to have a shot to win this game. It was like four minutes left. And then, you know... Credit to Levy Smith and the guys for going for it on fourth and goal inside the five. You're one and ten and one. They had a tie. Do not forget the tie in Indianapolis week one. I have not forgotten. I know you listeners haven't either. You're one and ten and one. Why not go for it? That being said, you get stopped at the two-yard line. You know, two minutes left, 98-yard drive from Dak. Uh, you know, it's more, Adam, I hate to tell you this, and I, I I'm sure you're not going to like it, but... Jerry Jones, you know, at the post-game presser was right. Didn't matter what happened in those first 58 minutes. Those last two minutes are what the Cowboys need moving forward. It, you know, it doesn't have to be pretty. You just got to be able to w- put yourself in a situation to win. And they did. And, you know, even at a 98-yard drive with, you know, little time left, they went down and executed against a bad team that they needed to beat. They're right on the Eagles' heels, and they did what they needed to do. So uh, I'm impressed with that performance. I am. No, and I, I think there at the end of the day there was a lot to be impressed with, um, and yeah, I, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Bob. I, I don't have much else to say about this one. Um, just always funny because I thought for a minute there I was going to get to talk some shit on Cowboys fans, which is one of my favorite. I was things thinking to do. of you. Oh, but, I was thinking of you this whole time. But luckily, Bob, the only fan base that I enjoy making fun of more than Cowboys fans would be New York Giants fans. And the Philadelphia Eagles absolutely handled the Giants, so much so that they took the game off of my television for the viewing discretion of the greater American public because that was an absolute whomping, a separation game for the NFC East. The Eagles came out and showed everybody why they are the class of the division one of the deepest 53-man rosters in the entire NFL, and the Giants simply are struggling to field a 53-man roster. And that was evident today as the Eagles absolutely dominated, and I mean dominated, the New York football Giants. Bob, go ahead. Touch on this if you please. I dare you. Say something. I want to want to add one thing, and I hope this isn't confrontational. The Eagles clinched a playoff berth today. There fly, you go. Eagles, fly. That's pretty early in the season. Huh? That, that feels pretty nice. That's good, you know? Get healthy I a little bit. just don't want to rock the boat after last week. You, you, you won. Your, your Eagles are flying. A, a big divisional win. I, Adam, I, things are rolling in Philly. They're a wagon. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Yep. Nope. Just a good day. Um, Bob, you, you spoke of uh, rocking the boat. Um, and there is no, no more raucous sea right now than the Cumberland River that flows through Nashville, Tennessee, because the, uh, the, the tide is high. Yep. But my friend Bob is holding on, and we are going to see who the Giants or the Titans' new number one general manager is going to be because Brian Robinson lost his job. Bob, 
you have the floor. Well, Ad, I, I'm very glad, first of all, that I was uh, in, uh, in the drive today. I didn't have to watch it because uh, I think it's time for a, uh, a moment. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to say here. You give up 150 yards to Evan Ingram. You look out of sorts on offense, especially in the second half. Uh, the Derrick Henry fumble, one hand on the ball. I, I just, Adam, I don't know what to tell you, but I think that the uh, the rain is over. Uh, they may not even win the division at this rate. Who knows? I don't even know if I want them to win the division. Uh, this team is just really ruined my life. It has ruined my life, Adam. I am Bob Perry, and I'm a Titans fan. I'm a survivor. And one day I will be better for this moment. But today I, today I mourn. Today I hurt. And we will overcome this with Traylon Burks, with Chigo Kuebenum. But it is not today. It is not today. One day when Ryan Tannehill is an offensive analyst at Texas A&M coaching high school football or somewhere in Texas. And Arch Manning is a Titans quarterback leading them to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, Nevada in the year of 20. 41 it will be a great day but again unfortunately today is not that day Adam it was a great run long live the king Derrick Henry forever he's still got his yards on your bitch ass Jacksonville but uh, unfortunately Ad I think the window's over tighten up <laughs> tighten up I feel like I should have, I don't know, maybe I, I should, there should have been holy water. I, I, I don't necessarily understand what, what was missing from there, but you know, Bob, that, that was touching. That was a hell of a funeral. I, I, I don't think Yeah. Oh goodness. Yep. Wipe, wipe off the tears. That's no, that's important. That won't hurt. I felt like I was laying a loved one to rest right there. Um, I, yeah. I I miss the days. I miss the days of, of 2019. I miss those days. Uh, what a, what a time to be alive. Oh. Corey Davis, call oh. me. I miss you. Oh, oh, the hope, the hope. The lady the Walker. Hope. What are you doing? Please come back. Someone save. Someone save us. Someone please. Adoree Jackson, where are you? I need you in my life. Oh, but again, one day it will be better, Adam. One day it will be worth it. But that day is not today. I have nothing Dude, else this... to add. Congratulations, Jacksonville. You kicked our ass. Yeah. Um, you knew that things – I mean, I think it was the uh, touchdown pass. I can't remember the name of the Jaguars receiver. It was in the corner of the end zone, the toe tap there, where it probably should have been a clear interception. I, Bob. I, right through Roger McCurry's hands. There. I it, had, it, yeah. Yep. Yep. Just it, – it was not It was not pretty – and I apologize, pal. I, I really have no words for you. Um, but, you know, we'll move on from one ugly loss to another ugly loss that wasn't necessarily unexpected. But for some reason, it still feels shocking. It's the Chiefs and the Broncos. The Chiefs beat the Broncos 34-28. to Russell Wilson knocked himself into next week with a concussion. Bob, what do you make of this one? You know, the Chiefs jumped up to a 27-0 lead, and I was like, okay, this game's over. And then Russell Wilson started finding Jerry Judy for the first time this year, it felt like. And when he found Jerry Judy, I mean, he found the man. Eight for 73 and three tutties. Three tutties. Not that he was on my fantasy bench or anything, but he had three touchdowns once again. Uh, Broncos offense all of a sudden started to score. It's impressive. It just happened to be against, you know, the best team in the league, the most lethal offense probably of all time against the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, timing is everything, folks. And, uh, you know, Russell Wilson gets knocked out of the game late in there. Brett Rippon comes in, throws a touchdown and a pick. But, hey, fill the stat line, my guy. I'm proud of you for getting minutes. Earn that contract. But, uh, you know, for the Broncos fans, I don't know. Can you build off this ad? I, I, I don't know. Because obviously, I yeah. would say if Russell Wilson stayed healthy throughout the entire game, then yeah, probably. But I think all of it kind of went out the window when he was injured. And 
I mean, the close-up on his eyes after he got hurt. I don't know if you've seen it, Bob, but oh my goodness. Lights were on. No one was home. Um, he was saying, was Seahawks was... country, let's ride. Yeah, he didn't know where he was. He was talking to, about Wisconsin. He was going to badger up. He didn't know what was going on. But at, there was a, a point in this game where Willie Gay, it was a third down play, and Russell Wilson just couldn't throw the ball over Willie Gay. Willie Gay makes a super athletic play and just ends up making an interception. It's a pick six. And it kind of seemed like it was the, the the Broncos' entire season in a single play. It was Russell Wilson. When they needed him to make a play, he was just a, a little bit off. And ultimately, they paid for it with a touchdown. And it just feels like it's been mistake after mistake like that for Denver all year. And all credit to them for kind of fighting back into this game. But like I said, I don't think you're going to find anybody that was shocked by this result. No, no, not at all. But I am impressed, like you said, the Broncos resiliency, at least coming back, you know, showing some fight. They are professional athletes at the end of the day. They have pride on the line. You know, 27-0, that was unacceptable. So I'm glad to see them fight back. It's unacceptable for the Denver fans to be booing gay scoring. You know, in 2022, can't be doing that. But um, <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I had to get that shot in there. But, uh, you know, for the Chiefs there, you know, just the train keeps on rolling there. They're a wagon. You know, Mahomes is who he is. A couple of uncharacteristic picks there. But, you know, Broncos defense is good. I'm not too worried about them moving forward. I think this is more of just, you know, one more week in the in the machine. Yeah, 100%. Well, Alexa, uh, play Macklemore because we're going to head to Seattle and talk about another resilient team. It's uh, the Seattle Seahawks losing to the ever-so-resilient Carolina Panthers, 30-24. to Bob, what do you make of this one? Uh, you know, we've been talking about the Seahawks being a great story this year uh, in the division hunt, and then now we're talking about the wild card hunt. They've had a couple losses the last month or two where – you know, the Falcons loss comes to mind. Now this one with the Panthers, these are teams you've got to beat. If you're going to be in those playoff hunts, you're getting a lot out of your team with Geno Smith. He didn't have a great game today. It wasn't like his MVP-like performance he's had some times this year. I look at his stat line, 21-36, 264, three touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, can't be doing that in this game where – you're the better team. You have to win. There's not many games where the Seahawks, on theory, are going to be a better team. They're just outplaying teams. Today, they were neither. They didn't outplay the team, and they were better than them. So, bad combination for an untimely result for them. Yeah, just feels like a game that they kind of needed to win, especially kind of as they've played in the past few weeks. Just kind of felt like this was a get-right game for them that they didn't take advantage of. And, you know, they do play in a very tough division that kind of seems to be sorting itself out at the moment. But um, all credit to the Panthers, man, through all of the turbulence that this season has brought for them, for them to be able to finally go and score some points and win a football game late in the year. A lot of guys playing for jobs, you know, playing kind of that dress rehearsal part of the year. One of those teams that obviously has no playoff aspirations. So all credit to them for coming out and playing hard. Um, Just good to see, to be honest with you. But we'll move on, Bob. from a team that was playing hard to a game that was straight up hard to watch because big cock Brock Purdy, ladies and gentlemen, took Tom Brady behind the woodshed in his motherland, nonetheless, Northern California. He decided that he was going to be maybe the best quarterback in Santa Clara County. I don't I don't know. Uh, that was incredible. I, I if you saw this coming, no, you didn't. But Bob, what did you think? I didn't see this performance coming uh, where, you know, just complete dominance on one side of the ball on both sides. I should say of the ball, uh, you know, rough, uh, rough year for Tom Brady and the family life. Let me tell you what, from his, uh, you know, marriage and family to, uh, you know, going back to his hometown, his home state, his favorite team, and just getting absolutely mollywopped to the point where Fox took it off and put the Seahawks Panthers game on. If you would have told me, you know, at the beginning of the season, Fox is going to have to choose Seahawks, Panthers, or Niners, Bucks. I would have said, well, that's a no-brainer. I'd put my life savings on it. But here we are, Ad. Life is a fickle, fickle thing. And, uh, you know, for the Niners, Mr. Irrelevant's an ugly term. I want to get out in front of that right now. Brock Purdy, let your nuts hang, my dude. Have the moment. You were a great prospect for a little bit in college. You almost got Matt Campbell a, a big raise up at uh, USC or LSU. Guy has talent, just a rough senior year. Good to see him make it an opportunity there. But so what were your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, the pride of Iowa State, man. Um, I honestly was just really impressed by Brock Purdy. I think all week we kind of heard that uh, a lot of people if, who in the Niners media and in the Niners um, kind of in the Niners locker room are incredibly high on Brock Purdy. They've said nothing but good things. He's been taking full speed reps, like with their, you know, with that defense that's best defense in the league, and he's been making plays and practice and stuff. So they said that they weren't really worried, but to watch him go out and absolutely dominate the game like that. I texted you during it and it's kind of a weird analogy, but he feels like a perfect knee brace for this team. He feels like he's going to be able to come in, hold things together, add some support, kind of make it so that, you know, this team that is incredibly injured right now, obviously you see Debo Samuel going down with the ankle injury. They said that it's not as serious as they thought it was. So hopefully he'll be able to get back, but They've got so many weapons on that team, and Brock Purdy even said it. He goes, I know I'm not the focal point of this offense, and he understands his role, and he went out there, and he executed it perfectly. I think if he goes out, and obviously he's not going to absolutely break the game open every week like he did today, but to be that impressive against one of the better defenses in the league, I mean, all credit to him, man, because I it was just a performance that I, didn't, I never saw coming, but... My gosh, he was spinning the rock today, Bob. He really was. Yeah. No, I, I will say a knee brace on the team might be a little too on the nose for the quarterback position with their, uh, you know, two starters going down. But I, you know, hey, I digress. I don't want to. I don't want to get too. Well, that would there, be no. That would be an ankle. That would be an ankle brace, not a not a knee brace. Well, He'd be an ankle brace. Well, fair. Jeez. It's an air cast one way or another. But uh, I digress. Like you said, good for him. He knows that he's not the focal point of the offense. He's not going to go in there and try and throw into triple coverage and, you know, be Josh Allen. He's not Josh Allen, but the weapons around him are going to make him succeed. And he knows that if he gets the ball into Christian McCaffrey's hands, Debo Samuel's hands, George Kittle's hands, they're going to make him look like he's Josh Allen instead of him trying to do that himself. That's the beauty of it. It, it, You're not asking him to do too much. You know, this is kind of awesome because we're seeing the uh, tiers of quarterbacks kind of like really kind of sort themselves out because we've got our guys who have have been elite this year. We've got our Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, but then we've got the other guys and it's Brock Purdy and it's Mike White and it's the Ryan Tannehills of the league. Sorry, Bob, I got to put him in there. Gino Gino Smith is in there. Gino Smith is in the category. There's one more that I'm missing that I was thinking of, but I've been hitting the head so many times. Kirk Cousins probably. Yeah, Kirk honestly may have played himself into the a little bit of an elite category for me. Yeah. That may be a discussion yeah. that we have That's to fair. have because he's been he's been throwing the ball around, but it's kind of crazy to see this like second tier of quarterbacks that we're not m- expecting much of. Oh, Taylor Heineke was the other name, duh. But like the Tyler oh, Heineke, yes. Taylor Heineke's and Mike White's and you know, now the Brock Purdy's, these guys who aren't necessarily highly touted, but are coming in and being incredibly effective. So all credit to them for taking advantage of the opportunities they've been given. And the thing you look at with those quarterbacks too, the coaching staffs that are around them, guys like Salah, like Ron Rivera, uh, they're coaches that are, you know, respected around the league. They're high level coaches. I think that says a lot about not only the players, but the coaching staff to be able to put those guys in success and knowing their limitations and what their strengths are. Taylor Heineke is a great example because that guy is, a, you know, he's playing to his max potential, but Hey, he's, he's doing it. That's all you got to ask for him. Yeah, no, at the end of the day, they're showing up. I mean, and it's incredible because there are guys that you would never necessarily expect that type of performance out of, but week after week, we see somebody come out of there and like a quarterback kind of come out and pull a rabbit out of a hat. And that's the NFL. But speaking of, you know, no, we're not going to talk about that yet. We're not, I almost moved on to the Monday night game, Bob, but I don't really want to talk about it because it's Cardinals Patriots and bleh, you know, what are you gonna, Kyler what Murray are you gonna versus Bill that? Belichick. That is, that is something right there. Yeah, Whew. I feel like, yikes. Yeah, I just, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't know. Anything no. interesting well, from your drive? Any? What's what's going on, Bob? Let's, let's chat. No, I was, was going to say, before we before we get into that, because there was a little NASCAR on the trip for sure. But uh, before we do that, I just want to, we are a football podcast, you're at. You're out in the, the land of Los Angeles around the stars there. 
there's a new star in college football, a new uh, legend in the ranks there, Caleb Williams, the uh, Oklahoma-turned-Trojan of man of Troy in USC. He uh, is going to be adding to the trophy case there with Orenthal and the boys, and uh, I'm just curious, you know, what was your thoughts on that Heisman ceremony there? I've, I've got some too, but uh, uh, Caleb Williams, big season out in L.A. Yeah, um, first things first, congratulations. I mean, one of those awards that is just so cool. Um, the Heisman is college football. It, it, I, it's one of those award shows that you, you watch every year. You kind of mark it on your calendar. It's there with Army Navy. I, I just, yeah, I, I really enjoy everything about the Heisman presentation and everything. Um, that being said, Caleb Williams deserved it. Uh, had the best numbers. Um, and, you know, kind of weird to have a Heisman winner on a team that's not playing in the playoffs, but Obviously, you know, they lose that game to Utah, and here we are. But um, all credit to Caleb Williams because he, he really did put on a show all year. And what a great job he did with this acceptance speech and everything. I was really, you know, really thought he did a great job there. But um, all credit to him. I think it's a little weird to have a guy win the Heisman and not have his team in the playoff. But at the end of the day, his numbers were so good. What were you going to do? No, I, I agree with you. I, I did love his little dig at the, the guy sitting down, you know, Bennett, uh, Duggan, and um, uh, Stroud. He looked at all of them and said, you know, I, I've got the trophy up here. You guys are looking at me, but I'll be watching y'all in a couple of weeks. And I'm kind of jealous of that. So, you know, we, we even out there. It's just kind of, you know, funny, like you said, the dynamic there, that the best player wasn't the one in the playoff, but, you know, valuable to his team. Great season. Like you said, though, I, I want to touch on this. Army Navy, then the Heisman ceremony after, you know, the conference championships, you're a week out, kind of taking a breath from all the rush and, you know, the pageantry of college football, the big money that the NIL is back. And then you go back to the basics. You go Army Navy, the pageantry, the history, the tradition goes back to the triple option. It's ugly football, but the over did hit, by the way, for the first time in 17 years. And then you go to the Heisman ceremony. Then that night, you got all the different Heisman winners up there on stage. You know, obviously the tradition, every kid dreams of winning the Heisman Trophy. I, I think we've all dreamed of that. You always wonder what it would be like. So uh, it's it's cool to take a step back and look at that Saturday after the regular season ends and conference championships go, okay, this is old school again. Heisman Trophy, Army, Navy. I love it, Adam. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. I mean, you watch Army, Navy, and it just feels like classic football. You you hit the nail on the head there, Bob. It, it's one of those things. You It makes you reminisce and feel very nostalgic. It almost feels like if like football in its purest form almost because you see all the uniformed personnel there. It's just cool. It just feels like a throwback, whether they play in, in Annapolis or whether they're in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial. It's just a really cool atmosphere every year. And then, to be honest with you, the Heisman – award show is probably the only award ceremony I still watch. I mean, and that's, that's just kind of standard. I mean, ever since they went in 2005 and played the Dale Earnhardt movie after the Heisman ceremony that then got into a bunch of hot water legally with Richard Childress and everything, I've been locked in to the Heisman talk. I have been absolutely locked into the ceremony because you know, there's a little something for everybody, no, usually. I, I did so. not expect Richard Childress to end up in this conversation at all. At oh. all. Hey, man. They played. Hey, Richard Childress. You know that story, right? Are you aware? A little bit, are you aware but I need, of that? I need a little bit of refreshment. I need a little bit right, of refreshment. I think a... our listeners would love some context. Yeah, let me give you some context. So there was a Dale Earnhardt <sighs> movie produced by ESPN Films without the permission of the Earnhardt family or Richard Childress Racing. Was this called so, Three? Was this it Three? It was called Three, yes. And they sued okay. them for trademark infringement for the because they used the Three, even though it didn't really look like it. And there was this big lawsuit around the whole thing. You can only find it on YouTube. It's still there. It's hilarious. You should watch it if you get a chance because it is pretty good. But it caused all sorts of legal like rigmarole because Richard Childress was pissed. The Earnhardts were pissed. It, yeah, it was a mess. So you should go take a look at that movie. It's on YouTube. It's for free. And it doesn't help that the movie has a conspiracy that Ernie or Ken Schrader killed Dell Earnhardt. But uh, I digress. It's just, you know, that's another tangent for another day. Yeah, well. Nothing there. Not, we're not getting into that. We're not getting into that. We no. don't want a lawsuit by anyone here today. Not today. No, 
Oh no, not today, not yet. No, <laughs> we no. couldn't afford to no. defend but it. Yet. You did mention the, you know, the drive back today, Adam, for, for me. I was going back from Missouri to, to Nashville. Um, I will say I'm going through St. Louis there, and the very last exit, you know, you're going through the bridge there. It splits to go from north to, to south to west everywhere. It goes five different ways there. And I made the wrong exit. I went to East St. Louis. I fucked up. But I didn't. But hold on, listeners. I did not. I redeemed myself. Because in true breaking balls fashion, even on a trip where there's no NASCAR involved, and God bless my co-passenger, Ben, who doesn't even like NASCAR, but had questions afterwards seeing the track, the very first exit in East St. Louis, where I U-turned, was Gateway Motor Speedway, NASCAR's newest venue for last year. Adam, it was cool seeing in person. You and I have raced it a lot on NASCAR heat. It was nice to see it up close. Uh, definitely a smaller track than it looks like on the game, though. I mean, it, it, tight track, the paperclip is very real. That turn two, that that those stands are big for it being thirty thousand seats. It was a big turn. Yeah, um, one of those things that I was I was very interested to hear that you got to see it in person. Um, just goes to show you, man, that we kind of build up some of these um, tracks or things like that, different sports arenas, um, all sorts of things. You kind of build them up in your head, and it, it kind of remind you listening to you talk about it, it. Reminds me of the first time I went to Chicago and saw Wrigley Field, and it's literally just in the neighborhood, and it's kind of smaller than I I ever thought it would be. be but then it makes sense because it has to blend into the neighborhood. So it's just going. I, I always think it's kind of a trip when you travel and you see arenas or think or racetracks or things like that for the first time to kind of get your perspective and be like, wait a minute, it's actually that big? That's kind of crazy. I love their marketing. It was ironic. They 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 loopholed it. They said it's the only track that does NASCAR Cup Series, IndyCar, and Truck Series. It was like they're, they're cherry picking that they do all three specifically, and nobody else does. Oh my I love gosh. that. Hey, yeah, that's awesome. Whatever makes the branding work. Uh, that was on the very front of the the backstretch, right by the highway, which I love that. The, hey, any way oh. you can market that you're a big time league, it's gonna get fans, and they don't have to know. They don't have to know what we know over here at Breaking Balls. Okay. They don't. No, there's definitely not a uh, not a series missing in there at all, right? There's there's nothing. They're no. not they're not missing anything. Nothing. No. Nah. Nothing. Nothing. Nah. Xfinity. Nothing. No, we're good. Uh, no, no, no. Nah, good. don't worry about it. Junior Motorsports is non-existent at, at uh, it's non-existent over there right now. Yeah. No. Why would they? They not simply not in their GPS. So. Eh, what are you gonna but who do? says that, you know, who says that going to East St. Louis is a bad thing, Adam? I just want to say for the podcast listeners, sometimes don't judge a book by its cover. You might end up in the right space after all. And uh, Gateway Motor Speedway was the right turn on the wrong exit. Well, the right turn on the wrong exit kind of sounds like the title of a memoir. That's beautiful. Just... <laughs> That's beautiful. We This has been what? an emotional episode, Adam. We've been writing some poetry out here. You know, yeah. again, it's been a long weekend for the both of us here for different reasons. Very, very different reasons. But let me tell you what, equally, equally emotional. A hundred percent. If you're listening to this podcast at this point and uh, you would like to go on the Kelly Food Book website and get the evaluation of a 2016 Ford Fusion Hybrid uh, Titanium, uh, that would be great. Uh, go ahead and send it over. I would I would really appreciate that calculation. You you may save me a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, now uh, I go through the legal process of uh, whatever happens when you get a car stolen. I, I can honestly say that this is uncharted water for me, but um, like, in, like in Grand Theft Auto, I'll, I'll go and I'll have discovered that part of the map forever. So whenever, if somebody I know gets a car stolen, I, I can be the guide, the beacon of hope. Exactly. If any of our listeners ever have their car stolen, you can message us. We'll walk you through the process. And on the other foot, if any of our listeners have had this happen before, please message Adam and uh, let him know how to do this. Because, again, we're in uncharted territory and, you know, we have a platform here. We might as well get some help. If you find that Ford Fusion, we will give you a guest spot on the next podcast. No questions asked. Even if you were the small Mexican woman that went into southeastern law and took that Ford. Southwestern Law School decided yeah, close enough, it, dude. It's hilarious though because anytime I go on my elevator, there's like a public service, like a public um, safety announcement 
that's like a student had a car stolen. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm like, I got to stare at this every single time I got to go anywhere. I got to stare at the fact that I was the student that got his damn car stolen. I mean, are you kidding me? But, uh. but again, we can't bury the lead here. If you're Chase Bank and you're listening to this right now, you did my co-host dirty. I will not stand for that. We all need a little McDonald's in our life, but it was fraud. It was not Adam. It was fraud, and we will not have that charged on his card. I don't, I don't Please know. Please take that off. I don't know if I'm going to be able to dispute that, Bob. They've got a long paper trail from the time I was, like, in high school until now on that credit card of me going to McDonald's. I mean, let me tell you, there nope. was just – that was, between, but... that was the old Adam there, but that was the old Adam. This Adam is new. The old Adam is dead. Oh no! Just like my chances of finding my car. But we got anything else to talk about Bob, before we get out of here? No, we're an hour in here. If we stayed on here any longer, I think we'd write a sequel to Dude, Where's My Car? And I, I don't have the energy for that after the drive ad. So I think we'll leave that for the Thursday episode. We'll be back with two episodes next week. Back to regular schedule, unless. Uh, there's something that I'm or you're forgetting, but God, I hope not. <laughs> I don't think so. Either, but you know what, guys? Thank you so much for hanging in with us every week. We love doing it. Um, be a friend. Tell a friend. Share it with whoever you want. Um, we appreciate you. This was episode 31 of the Breaking Balls podcast. Bob, you've got the last word. Go. Long live the king. <laughs> <laughs>